you're on a small boat in the heart of Lake Nasser. The clear blue sky is reflected perfectly onto the water, separated only by a thin band of desert running along the horizon. A few hours later, as the sun starts to set and birds begin flocking to their nests, a brilliant amber glow takes over the landscape. A few hours after that, everything around you is plunged into an undisturbed darkness. The sky takes on a dazzling turquoise hue, speckled with the brilliant stars of the Milky Way. But this isn't the way that things have always been. Deep below the waves of Lake Nasser lie the ruins of what was once a great civilization, a civilization that existed for thousands of years, only to vanish just 60 years ago. Our story starts there, on the 10th of January, 1960, with a 10-ton dynamite explosion. Welcome to Pharaohcast, hosted by Salwa Shnuda. My name is Salwa, and I am a tour guide in Egyptian history. And myself, Danny Arafa. Join us as we embark on an expedition through the rich and mysterious stories of ancient Egypt and how these stories still affect us today. Nubia, the lost land in the heart of Africa, used to be a great land that was located between south of Egypt, north of Sudan. That land today is completely gone. It's gone, there is no more Nubia, on the map, Nubia disappeared. So who are the Nubians? Nubians are Nilotic dwellers of various racial origins. They are considered desert nomadic tribes. Although the Nubians and the Egyptians were linked by the river Nile, they were markedly different in various respects linguistically, physically, and culturally. The Nubians are darker skinned and they got curlier hair and thick features that were reflected in most of the depictions and manifestations in the land of Nubia. Nubians were divided into three tribes. The first one, known as Il Kunuz, are the typical Nubian still keeping traditions and customs. The second group, are called the Arab Nubians, who immigrated long time ago to old Nubia. They speak the Arabic language today, and they live in the middle of Nubia, and they were the one who spread Islam in Nubia. And the third group are known to be Al-Fajr. Al-Fajr tribe live in the south of Nuba. They speak the old Nubian language and they have a special dialect called Al-Fajjaya, which is only a spoken language which has no script or handwriting. Nubians were desert travelers at the Sahara Desert and they were the best hunters known in history as they were marked by being the best archers and the best bowmen. Nubia was the root in the heart of the African desert, the Sahara, for commerce, adventures, journeys, expeditions, exploration and travel. The great land of Nubia provided manpower, precious and semi-precious stones. A lot of these exotic African artifacts like the ostrich feathers, leopard skin, copper, ebony, 
and ivory, as well as incense trees. And the most important thing was the gold, as Nubia was the land of the gold. So, what was it that happened in 1960? We'll get there, but first we've got to make a quick stop 58 years before that. Aswan, 1902. Aswan city is the border province of Egypt, and in 1902, the Egyptian government decided to construct a dam, which is called today the Aswan Dam. And later, the Egyptian government, in 1912 and 1933, added to the height of the wall of the Aswan Dam to become 42 meters high, constructed of blocks of granite. After building the Aswan Dam, water started filling behind the body of the dam, creating a small lake called today Aswan Lake. And as a result of the Aswan Lake, water started covering the areas and the lands behind, causing big parts of the Nubian villages and lands to be submerged. As a result, the Nubians were to move from their places and from their homes. The young Nubians decided to travel to the north, seeking for new jobs and new future, while the elders of the Nubians remained in their homes and never wanted to leave their lands and their villages. With the first immigration of the small group of Nubians to the north, they started working as butlers, bartenders, waiters, and porters in Alexandria, Giza, and Cairo. This resulted in some not-so-nice stereotypes that were reflected onto the silver screen. The Aswan Dam was not enough. Egypt was in need of another bigger dam to help the population and to meet the needs of the people of Egypt. This was because the Nile, while being the lifeblood of the region, was also an untamable force of nature. Years rich in rain caused great floods that devastated farmland, and years of drought rendered the powerful river a measly stream. For a nation with a quickly growing population, this just wouldn't do. Egypt needed to tame the Nile. At Aswan, Egypt, on the Nile River, special ceremonies mark the start of work on the Aswan High Dam, whose construction has been delayed by lack of funds and international complications. Host for the occasion is President Gamel Abdel Nasser, his guest of honor, Morocco's King Mohammed V. This is an important moment for Nasser, who has finally gotten the project going with the help of a $93 million Soviet loan. The US now here comes our explosion. A 10-ton dynamite blast touched off by Nasser officially breaks the first ground for a project which has made news for many years. The Aswan Dam was by all means a great technological marvel, stretching 4 kilometers across with a base 1 kilometer thick. The dam allowed us to regulate the Nile's yearly flooding and generate enormous amounts of electricity. 
The Aswan High Dam was key for the modernization of Egypt. But at the same time, we discovered a lot of drawbacks and disadvantages. One of them was a great tragedy that happened to the population of the Nubians. About 100,000 Nubians were to be evacuated immediately. Half of the population of the Nubians were evacuated and resettled in Egypt, and the Egyptian government compensated them new homes, new lands, and new villages. They decided to build their homes modeled as the old ones in old Nubia. And the other half of the population of the Nubians moved and resettled in Sudan. It wasn't just people who had to move. The area known as Nuba, which was to become Lake Nasser, was also home to dozens of ancient temples. The submerging of all the Egyptian and Greek Roman temples, which were located in the land of Nubia. All these temples were threatened to collapse and to be lost in the water of Lake Nasser. So it was a cry out by the world and especially the UNESCO who started doing a great salvage project to restore and to save these temples. These thousand-year-old temples were meticulously disassembled block by block. And when I say block, I don't mean those measly bricks that fit in your hand. These blocks weighed 20 tons each. That's about the weight of two buses. But these weren't the only side effects of the dam. We cannot forget the missing silt the missing fertile mud which used to come all the time with the annual floods every year for four months from the middle of June till the middle of October. Creating deposits of these silts helped to fertilize the lands of Egypt. And that's why today Egypt is basically depending on artificial fertilizers which is creating a terrible pollution to the lands of Egypt. This also prevented nutrients from reaching the Mediterranean Sea, where the Nile ends. As a result, sardine populations plummeted. The Aswan Dam was a necessary project that transformed the lives of 30 million Egyptians and today benefits 100 million Egyptians. The dam was a great $1 billion triumph of leadership and engineering. We tamed the river generated a life-changing amount of clean electricity, and successfully relocated thousand-year-old temples. But the High Dam is as much a story of sacrifice as it is a story of success. It would not have been possible had 90,000 Nubian men, women, and children not left their lives behind to relocate to a new place to live. It's a sacrifice that should not be forgotten to time. I've only gotten to visit Lake Nasser once when I was 8 or 9 years old. Salwa, on the other hand, has sailed through it countless times, retelling the stories that you've heard her share today. Salwa tells me that the Nubian people are still very much keeping the memory alive. Lake Nasser is never called Lake Nasser by the Nubians. They only use that term, the Nubian Sea. On the where, the homes, the lands, the villages are submerged.